Greetings to those who watch below. Today's Friday, which means it's time for another stop on our paranormal road trip of the US. This week, we're going to stop by Minnesota. But before we start, I'd like to say thank you to Steffi Ray, Wicked Witch, Lisa Watts, Lefty Kim, M.A. Way, Julie B., Jess Black Curtain, Christina Groves, LT Punisher 666, Chris BLK Chris, and Canopsia for being those who dwell below, an exclusive channel membership that will get you shoutouts at the start of every single video. Also, if you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe to both this channel and to creepypasta.com. Starting on Monday and continuing through to Halloween, I will be doing exclusive Halloween creepypastas on that channel, so make sure you check it out. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Encounter at Maple Hill Cemetery by MN Wanderer Last year, after a particularly brutal semester of graduate school, I decided to take a week off from work and spend it in northeastern Minnesota, along the shores of Lake Superior. I spent the first half of my vacation in Duluth and Two Harbors, doing some hiking, mountain biking, and other activities, while I decided to spend the other half in Grand Marles, which is a small town about two hours up the shore from Duluth. As I was settling into my hotel room, I decided to see if there were any haunted places in the area. This is because earlier in the week, I had taken a tour of Glensheen Mansion in Duluth, and during the tour, our guide mentioned that there were rumours that a ghost of someone who was murdered there still roamed the hallways. I looked up if there were any haunted places around Grand Marles. The name Maple Hill Cemetery popped up a few times, mostly on some Haunted Places website that had a web design that looked like it came from the early 2000s. The most common sighting there consisted of a man holding a lantern. Nevertheless, I saw that the postings were fairly recent and within the past few years. So the following morning, I punched in the location for Maple Hill Cemetery into my phone GPS and it led me straight there from my hotel room. To give you an idea of what this place is like, Maple Hill Cemetery is located about 2-3 to three miles up the Gunflint Trail from Grand Marles, and you get there by turning off onto a gravel dirt road from the Gunflint itself. There are trees on both sides of the road that only get taller the further back you go, and there are also a couple of old houses that are tucked into the forest which are visible on the left. When you get to what appears to be a dead end, the road makes an abrupt left. After driving for another 500 feet, you'll come to the cemetery itself. The road continues through the cemetery, but there's a three-way intersection in the middle, with one of the roads turning west towards a dead end, where cars can park. The cemetery has an old wooden church in the centre, and there are a mix of new and old gravestones dotting the premises. Maple Hill is on somewhat of a slight decline, which goes from west to east, and since this is the north woods of Minnesota, there are a lot of thick pine trees surrounding the cemetery plot. When I pulled in, it was a cloudy day, and while the snow had melted by the shores of Lake Superior and in Grand Morales, there were still patches of snow near and behind the tree line surrounding the cemetery, since temperatures further back from the lake tend to be much cooler but the snow was still melting that day, since it was warm enough. Because of this, the western half of the cemetery had a lingering fog hovering just above the ground, 
which was pooling out from the western tree line. As I got out of the car, the first thing I noticed was that the air felt very heavy compared to other places I had been that day. Whether or not it was because of the melting of the snow or condensation is anyone's guess. However, as I started wandering around the cemetery, I noticed that it was extremely quiet, and I had this feeling that someone was watching me. After about ten minutes of walking around and taking photos, I was standing right by the entrance to the old church, when I asked quietly if anyone was there, and within a minute of me doing this, I felt what I can only describe as a pair of fingers brush the back of my neck. I immediately turned round and saw no one there. Again, I asked if anyone was there, though this time I did so in a louder tone of voice. Afterwards, I started walking north, towards the entrance of the cemetery from which I came from in my car, when the air around me became extremely cold over the course of maybe 10 seconds. Now, it was around 50 degrees that April morning, so it was already chilly, but the sensation I felt made it seem like it was easily 20 degrees cooler. As this was happening, I had a feeling of paralysis come over me, not so much in the sense that I couldn't move any part of my body, but rather that I was afraid to move. I felt as though I would be punished if I did so much as move from that spot, and a sense of fear came over me. In addition, that sensation of being watched got ever more stronger with each passing second, and that I felt that my mind was becoming clouded. I stood there for a couple moments before I whispered loudly, let me go. Almost immediately, I felt my mind clear up, that I could move again without fear, and the air around me seemed to warm up back to what it was before. After this happened, I began walking straight to my car, since I made the decision to leave, when I saw what I can only describe as a grey, translucent, mist-like figure darting between the trees in the western tree line of the cemetery. At first, I thought it was the fog, until I saw it weave left and right in between the trees as it moved along the cemetery border. At first it kept moving right, before a sudden turn towards the woods, until it was out of sight. I couldn't make out any features aside from that it looked to be about six feet tall, and that it seemed to glide along the ground. As I was leaving my car, I still had this feeling that something was watching me, and it didn't go away until I'd made the right-hand turn back towards the Gunflint Trail. Frankly, my only thought at that point was that I needed to get the hell out of there. As soon as I made it back to the main road, I floored it back towards Grand Morales. Almost a year later, I still can't explain what I saw that day. I've done some research in regards to what happened with my paralysis slash clouded mind, and that it may have been a potential possession, but everything else has left me dumbfounded. The Minnesota Dogman The Minnesota Dogman is an alleged cryptid sighted in various Minnesota counties. It is very similar to the Michigan Dogman and the Beast of Bray Road, so it could very well be the same type of creature. In one of the early months of 2009, a man reported seeing a dogman near Fergus Falls in Ottertail County. Here is how he described the encounter. I'll start off by saying that I have never believed in any of these sorts of creatures. 
but I saw something in early 2009 that really disturbed me and is making me change my mind. I was not under the influence of any drugs and I have better than average eyesight, and the lighting was nearing sunset, but I was still able to see clearly. So I'll get this underway and explain my story, and maybe someone can shed some light on this for me. I live in Fergus Falls, which is in west central Minnesota, about an hour drive from Fargo, North Dakota. My mother-in-law lives out in the country, about three to four miles out of Fergus Falls, and I was staying there while my wife and her mother went shopping in town. They called me and asked if I wanted to go to a 7pm movie, so I left the house at about half six to meet them at the theatre. About two miles from the house, on a country road known as Wendell Road, along the Mistinka River, I saw three white-tailed deer. Two of the deer were rather small, probably just yearlings, and a larger doe, who I assumed was their mother. Me, being an avid hunter, lover of wildlife, and future wildlife biologist, stopped to look at the deer. I should also mention that I hunt the area and have spent my whole life in the Fergus Falls area. The deer were following a small creek bed, which is in fact the Mistinka River, so there were hardly any trees, except for one. Maybe because I didn't see it there because of the tree, but I noticed something crouching behind the tree on my side of the road, looking at the deer, and to my disbelief, hunting them. It just sat there, looking at the deer, taking no notice of me, even though I was in my truck no more than 40 yards away, with a clear view, with nothing obstructing my view of it. It had one hand on the tree that it was bracing itself with. What struck me was the fact that it seemed to be a two-legged creature, and not a four-legged one. Its hands appeared to have opposable thumbs, and were rather slender and long, very unlike a wolf. The creature looked as though if it stood upright, it would be over seven feet tall, with a protruding muzzle, broad shoulders, a slender waist, thick muscular thighs, and being as there was snow on the ground, I couldn't see the feet. He was deep, dark brown in colour throughout the body. After several seconds of looking at the creature in shock, the deer ran off. Then something amazing happened. It looked right at me, as though blaming me for losing his meal. He just sat there, looking at me and blinking, but not moving. This scared the crap out of me, so I hit the gas pedal and drove off. It was very dark after the movie, so I didn't much feel like trudging through three and a half feet of snow, with the possibility of a monster lurking in the area, who is currently looking for a meal that I scared off. So at about 10am, I went back there and walked down to the tree. Under the tree, there was no snow, so there were no tracks that I could see. But leading up to the tree, there were three tracks leading in from my grandmother-in-law's field, which was hard black dirt. And if you know what a Minnesota field looks like in late winter, you can't make anything out of the dirt. The tracks I did find were only about six to seven inches in length, but were clearly canine prints, with the exception of four toe-looking marks in the snow. Norma's House by Silly Pink Fly My cousin Norma and her husband had just moved into their first home. I went over to help them unpack and clean up. 
The very first time I set foot in that place, I felt uncomfortable, like all eyes were staring at me. I told my cousin about this, and she said I would feel better once they have unloaded the boxes to make the house feel cosier. She did say, it's just a little empty in here, that's all. I ignored the feeling and tried not to think about it. Several weeks went by. Norma called, asking for my mum. After my mum got off the phone, mum said there had been an accident at Norma's and we had to go there right away. When we got to Norma's, inside of her house was pitch black. I was very concerned when I didn't see their car in the driveway. My mum banged on the door and no one came to open it. It wasn't like we live far from her either. It's only a ten minute drive. So mum and I went back home. The next morning, mum called Norma's house. A woman's voice answered. My mum asked if this was Norma's house and if Norma was home. The woman said she'd been living there for 15 years and asked if this was a joke. She also said that there was no one by the name of Norma that lived in the house. My mum checked the telephone number again. It was indeed Norma's number. So I tried calling the same number and no one picked up. I tried a third time. The same woman picked up and said I got the wrong number. A week later, I ran into Norma at the supermarket. I asked if her mother-in-law moved in, because whenever I called, an old lady kept answering. Norma turned white in the face. She said she had left to live with her mother-in-law about two weeks ago, because her house was haunted. She told me about seeing an old lady walking around their house, whispering to herself, then disappearing when Norma screamed. She also said late at night she'd hear dishes banging or the water running as if someone was taking a shower. No one else lived there except for her and her husband. Norma hired movers to get her things out of the house and they live elsewhere, but every time I drive past that place, I get the chills. The last I heard was that another couple moved in, then moved out right away and no one has lived there since. But some nights, I'll see a light on in the attic whenever I drive past. The Vergas Hairy Man For roughly the past 50 years, a series of wooded trails and minimum maintenance roads between Maplewood State Park and Vergas, Minnesota, have produced some of the region's eerie sightings, ranging from robe-clad cults to shifting paths and whispering trees. As many locals will attest though, the most famous of these legends is a Sasquatch or Bigfoot-like creature said to roam these parts, the Vergus Hairy Man. Witnesses of the Hairy Man typically describe the creature as a large humanoid or ape that scavenges the forests and terrorises the residents. Given its size, standing somewhere between 6 and 9 feet tall, and weighing more than 300 pounds, and its propensity to chase humans and raw, it elicits a fair amount of terror. Outside of vague references to unknown sightings from the 40s and 50s, the earliest Hairy Man report comes from the late Ken Zitzo, who claimed to have seen the creature in 1966 while driving Country Road 130 west of Vergus with his brother Dwayne and Dwayne's girlfriend Pam. Zitzo described it in a 1991 Detroit Lakes Tribune interview as a Bigfoot-looking thing. After the creature walked out of the woods and hit Zitzo's truck hard enough to leave a dent, Zitzo drove away before returning for another look. 
Zitzo claimed to have later tracked the animals down with his brother. They found an abandoned shack containing an old mattress and thick with wild animal smell, and burned it to the ground. In the same 91 Tribune piece, David Brune is quoted as having seen the creature up close in 1967. It jumped on the hood of his car from a cutting. A few swerves knocked it off. In 2012, an investigation for the sci-fi TV show Haunted Highway prompted another round of hairy man coverage in local media. Witnesses added to the legend, including former Tribune reporter Brian Wiarima, who reported on several sightings and added photographs of a strange skull from the Vergus Trails to the Harryman legend. Cheryl Hansen, who claims to have been chased by the creature while snowmobiling as a child in 72, and Mike Quast, who claims to have seen the creature near Strawberry Lake, north of Detroit Lakes, as a child in 76. Both Hansen and Quast have become enthusiastic proponents of the Harryman's authenticity. Today, Quast might even be best described as a Bigfoot researcher, having authored two books on the subject. His research offers a wonderful compilation of Harryman sightings, including many that venture northward, where the Bigfoot legend lives even larger. Quast believes the Harryman and Bigfoot to be the most human-like ape species in existence today. When asked about hoaxes or people who might just share a sighting for the attention, Quast points out that the attention is often ridicule. It's not the kind of attention you want, he says. Emily Berman, Programme Director for the Becker County Historical Society, is aware of the many legends coming out of the Vergus Trails, and notes that a lot of reputable people have reported sightings. That said, she is hesitant to speak to the veracity of the hairy man, pointing to the small amount of documented sightings and physical specimens. Eight Foot Tall and Distorted by Sergeant This account dates back to the late 1970s, when I was about 19 to 20 years old. I was living in a house me and my roommates believed to be haunted, and it increased my paranormal interest. I was also actively working to make myself more sensitive to spirits, mainly through meditation. I had developed enough skill to sense and sometimes see or hear spirits. I was out somewhere when I saw an old high school friend of mine. We decided to go sit in a coffee shop and catch up on the last couple of years. He spilled coffee down the front of his shirt and asked me to take him home so he could change. He wanted to show me some clubs he knew later that evening. On the way, he told me a few of our other high school friends lived there too. They were all roommates. We arrived to an older home. It was huge, probably built in the 1930s. He ran upstairs to change and told me to do a self-tour of the place. Nobody else was there. The living room was huge, ten-foot ceilings in a fireplace. The kitchen looked original, but well-kept and well-preserved. I had to use the bathroom and noticed the facility at the end of a long hall, so I made my way. Something moving caught my eye in one of the rooms, and I turned to find something that stood about eight feet tall, fairly vivid, and not happy I was there. It had short, stalky legs compared to the rest of him, and his hands dragged the ground. I could not see the face, as it was distorted. I stood there for about five to ten seconds staring, when I clearly heard it order me 
to get out in a low, gruff tone. I backed out of the hallway away from the room, calling to my friend, I'll wait outside in the car, before stepping out. I waited outside and said a prayer for those inside. I did not tell anyone of my experience at the time. I felt that I should not mess with whatever it may be. A close psychic friend who we call Bird was invited to a party several months later. Yes, the party was at that house. The only thing I told her was to be careful. I called her a few days later to see how the party went. She told me that she was choked while in the bathroom and had an incident which she refused to elaborate about. I then told her of my own account, which made her quite upset that I didn't warn her about it. Another one of my roommates went to the party as well. He said he was pushed by something he couldn't see, and felt threatened by it in their bathroom. I talked to an old friend a couple of years later after that. I knew her from high school, and she dated a guy who lived in that house. I told her of my experience and those of my friends. She said when she stayed over, she could hear knocking on the walls at night, which kept her up. Her boyfriend who lived there was an ex-football player who was built like a tank. He had a harmless teddy bear attitude until he moved into that house. Things went downhill until eventually becoming violent with everyone there. He was eventually told to leave and made an incident requiring police intervention. Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to today's video. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to leave a like and also subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. So, until next time, sleep tight. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.